Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. If this podcast helps you spiritually, will you consider helping us naturally? You can give online or become a monthly partner as we aim to help more ministries and release more content. You can give online today at thelife.cc. Enjoy today's message. We're in a series entitled Dealing With. So we gave you all the opportunity to uh, vote on what you would like to hear and some topics that you would like to be discussed. So we did dealing with uh, disappointment, dealing with guilt and shame, dealing with addiction, dealing with family problems. So we're still in that series dealing with and some of you all had highlighted it was a couple of words. It was loneliness, isolation and self worth. And so today we're going to be talking about not going to tell you just yet. Before I get into that, I have a question. Have any of you all ever had someone that asked you a question time after time, after time, after time, after time, after time? And even though your answer was no, they still ask you the question as though you had never said no. Anybody ever had? Yeah. Yeah. I figured that. So, uh, that happened to me as well. And most of the time it's kind of like with people that are closest to you. So that very person that was asking me the same question over and over and over and over and over again was my father. And so (laughs) my answer was no. Every time he's like, man, how are you going to tell your daddy? No, you're being disobedient. And the question he would ask me was, hey, son, you know, I will believe it will be good for you to come uh, and spend time with me as I go into prison ministry and talk to the men. And so I'm like, no, dad. Because <laughs> in that moment, I'm having all kinds of thoughts. And even when he would come home, I would look at him. I'm like, OK, he doesn't have a bruise. He's not cut. You know, he's not limping, you know, it wasn't a fight break out or anything like that. So it must be okay, I guess. So finally, one day I said, yes. So in saying yes, uh, we, we pull up and, you know, they let us in and you know, like how you see things in the movies, you walk in and they open up the door and then you step through and then click and you write this like, man, this is really happening. So I literally think that as we go into this room, I've never seen this room. I'm thinking that we're going to have some guards in the room with us. Well, we get in the room and it's just my father and I in the room. No guards. I'm like, dear Lord Jesus. Terrified. So I'm sitting here on the inside, terrified, but on the outside, I'm just smiling, acting like everything is okay. So dad, you know, he gets up and he starts talking. I mean, I'm just sizing the room. I'm like, okay, if anything was to break out, okay, I know I can at least get two, but yeah, it's going to be over for us. And so lo and behold, dad gets done. I don't even know what he talked about. I knew it was the end because I saw hands go up. 
And at that moment, when he got done, he, had, uh, he gave the opportunity for questions to be asked. So it was this one guy, it was hands that went up, but it was this one guy, he was just I'm like, man, what's wrong with him? So he had asked a question. So before I tell you what the question is, when he asked the question, I was startled. Because in my mind, I'm thinking he's going to ask me something according to what my father said. So in this moment, my dad interrupted and because he saw my body language, he tells me this later on when we get in the truck. He was like, hey, before my son answers your question, how many of you all know who your father is? Now, these are 40 men in prison. He's teaching a fatherhood class. How many of you all know your father? Not a hand went up. So I'm like, I'm taken back by this. So he allows this young man to ask his question. His question was, what is it like to have a father in the house? Shook me. That one question has forever marked me. And it's been years since this happened. Because in that moment, my thinking changed. So when I got done answering a question, this is what I said. I said, when you all get out, at this time, it was just Word of Life Lakeland. When you all get out, I want you to come and find us at Word of Life Church and tell us how you are doing. So I'm pretty sure you probably wonder, like, man, you was in that prison. You were sitting there. What was going on in your mind? What was, I was terrified. But also, too, I had placed labels on them. That's what we're talking about today, dealing with labels. Labels that people have placed on you, labels that have been placed on others, maybe by you or by someone else. And you know, labels aren't all bad, right? You think about labels, you go into a grocery store, you know, you see the owls label cookie, water, frozen vegetables, frozen meats. And so because those owls are labeled, you're able to go and find exactly what you need, be it water, be it blue uh, bell ice cream, millennium crunch. All right. You know, you find those things because it's labeled. My son and I we was in store Walmart. I didn't know where because uh, he's in the band and he needed a combination lock for his locker. So I didn't know where that was. I didn't want to walk the whole store. So I see Two employees come in and I was like, hey, excuse me, can you tell me where the padlocks are located? Oh, yes, on aisle 26. Well, how was I able to find aisle 26? It was labeled aisle 26. So it was easy for us to go and find the labels. But then you have those labels that are negative, have a negative impact. A label like you're lazy, you're musty. Isn't it amazing how uh, a negative labels a person can do something in that one little moment and they scarred for life just with that one little thing? It only took two minutes, five minutes, but that's how we see them for weeks, for months, labels. So dealing with labels, that's what we're going to talk about today. If you can go to your Bibles, 1 Samuel chapter 16. As we said before, 
in this series that I'm just highlighting every time I open it up that Pastor Joel said, my life and your life will go in the direction of our most dominant thought. When I was sitting in that prison, I was terrified, so terrified, I didn't even know what my father was saying. But that's all I was thinking about because that was the dominant thought. So I'm literally in a room where my father is speaking blessings over these men, but because of where my thinking is at, because I have a label on them, terrified. I don't even see their potential, but he sees their potential. Dealing with labels. So how do we deal with labels? Not labels about you. We'll get on that in a minute. But labels that we know about other. Labels, be it with a family member. Labels that be it with a coworker or a neighbor. So here in uh, setting this story up, 1 Samuel chapter 16, we have Samuel. He is going to the house of Jesse. Jesse has eight sons. And so at this time, Samuel needs to go in and find the king. Let's read. I love this. The Bible It has some good stories in here. So verse one, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel. In this moment, there's a king. His name is Saul. The Lord has rejected him. He's not doing the things of the Lord. So he tells Samuel, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. Remember that I am sending you. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? Saul will hear about me and kill me. The Lord said, take a cow, it says in here, take a heifer, that's what it is, a cow, with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said when he arrived at Bethlehem. The elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointing stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. Maybe you're here today. It's like, man, I can relate to that. People have gone before me. I thought I would have gotten a job. Man, I've been to seven weddings and I caught the bouquet. I'm still not married yet. (laughs) Verse 10. Go to verse 11. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he is tending the sheep. 
Samuel said, send for them. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. Think about this. David was not in the house when his seven brothers, all his brothers were looked at. He was not even thought about. I can't imagine what David was thinking in that moment. But even in that moment, he wasn't thought about by man, but he was thought about by God. So even though there was dysfunction in his home, it doesn't mean that David couldn't function in the very potential that God had placed on the inside of him. One thing I realized, hurting people hurt people. Healed people heal people. David is in a moment, he's in a situation that where he's not even recognized. Someone from the outside had to come on the inside for his potential to be recognized. And some of you today, as you saw, had, uh, read today, people, his brothers were passed over, weren't looked at, maybe for you with a job, maybe with you with a promotion. And you like, Lord, what is going on? What's happening? I thought life would be better right now. I thought, I thought, I thought. And at times we put labels on ourselves because things aren't going the way we thought they should have gone. And so in this moment, David is looked at as a shepherd boy. But I love what Samuel said. He is the one. Everybody say the one. And so in this moment, Samuel comes in and he anoints David, proclaim him as king. But David, years later, he's now standing. I'm sure y'all heard of the story, David and Goliath. He's standing in a moment. He's standing in a situation that his brothers, they still only see him as a shepherd boy. You have a Goliath that is sitting here making everyone afraid and terrified. And here comes David with his sandwiches. His brother's like, man, will you just give us our sandwich and go on about your business? You're just supposed to bring us sandwiches. But David finds out what's going on and he's like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine Philistine that is talking about my God? So in this moment, David brothers still have the label on him as a shepherd. But David in that moment realized he is a king. And so in that moment, David stands up and he defeats the giant. Even though he's dealing with labels, even though he has been labeled, David did not allow that to define him. So let me ask you a question. The people that you know on your job, in your school, in your family that have been labeled, how are you looking at them? Are you calling them by name? Are you calling them by the potential that God has placed on them? Are you adding to the hurt? Are you adding to the label? Or are you being a healer? And I believe that's what we're all to be a healer because guess what? 
all of our family's friends, they're labeled with something in a negative way. But God is asking, will we be a healer? You see, Samuel was a healer. Jesse didn't realize who was in his house. So Samuel had to come in and provide healing so David later on could walk in the very thing God had called him to. So I believe all of us, including myself, we desire to be a healer, how to be a healer, how to help remove labels that have been placed on people, not by God, but by the world so that they can walk into the very thing God called them to do. How to be a healer. Three things. Preparation. Perspective. Proclaim. Samuel had to prepare. It was preparation. He had to prepare to go. Perspective. He had to shift his perspective. God looks at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance. Samuel had to proclaim. He is, hey, hey, he is the one. So now David is anointed king and he takes down the giant. I love this statement that Pastor Darius Daniel said. He said, when you you recognize your call, you will live like an answer. When you recognize your call, you will live like an answer. When Goliath was talking all noise, as we would say in the street, man, you talking noise, you bumping them gum, talking noise. David didn't see himself as a shepherd boy. He saw himself as a king. And his brothers were there still saying, man, just give me that sandwich and go on about your business. Hurt. They didn't see the potential in him. But David knew he was the answer to the problem. David knew he was the healer to the problem. And in that moment, he stood up, took out Goliath, and he healed his family. Joseph, Genesis chapter 45. Let's turn there right quick. Genesis chapter 45, verses 1 through 8. I kind of paraphrase it. You have Joseph. He's a young man. He's a dreamer. The Lord has shared a dream with him about one day his brothers will bow down and he will be leading his brothers. But they're like, no, who are you? You're younger than us. You will not lead us. And out of that, they ended up hurting Joseph. They pretty much sold him. They wanted to get rid of him. And so years later, Genesis chapter 45, it picks up where it talks about Joseph sees his brothers for the first time after years. Let's see what Joseph, Joseph did. I put it up here. You put it up on the screens. I just turned it to my Bible. Genesis 45. Let's look at what Joseph did. Label. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out. 45 verse 1. Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. The very brothers that hurt him, the very brothers that wounded him. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Verse 3. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified 
at his presence. Verse four, then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves. Think about this. Hold up. They just sold you, man, years ago. They wanted to get rid of you. They doubted your dream. But here you're saying, don't be distressed. Don't be angry. Don't be upset, man. I'm here. I'm with you. And in this moment, he makes a decision to be a healer. He had the power to hurt his own family. But in that moment, he decided to be a healer. He didn't look at the label that his own family had placed on him. He looked at the label that God gave him through his dream. So as I shared in the story, told the young men, when you get out, come find me. Come find my dad and I at Word of Life Church and tell us how you're doing. Years pass. And on three different occasions, Word of Life Lakeland, three different men came, found my father and I. So as we're walking toward them, they could tell with our body language, oh, you don't know who we are, do you? It's like, uh... <laughs> No, but they just smile, you know, like we grew up together, you know, like we've been knowing them for a while. So it's like, no, we don't know you. It's like, remember, you told us to come and tell you how we're doing. It's like, wait a minute. So out of the three, two of them had their wives and their children with them and one, he was just by himself. He was like, yeah, meet my wife, meet my children. And we're like, wow. What I didn't realize that I was sent to the prison to be a healer. Not knowing while I'm sitting there in the prison looking at them, I'm adding more and more to the label that is on them. Not denying the crime that they committed. But that's not who they are. That's just what they did. And so now I had to shift my perspective after going in. And now I'm proclaiming, hey, when you get out, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. Tell us how you're doing. So they come in and they tell us and they show us. I'm like, wow. And it was like, man. I wonder what it would have happened if I had not shown up with my father that day. Would that man would have been able to ask that question? What is it like to have a father in the house? And in the middle of that, they were all able to respond that even though I didn't have a father in the house, it does not mean that I can't be the father that God has created me to be. And in that moment, they were healed. In that moment, they were set free. And it's like, wow. And I'm sure you all know people that are dealing with labels, things that people have spoken about them, things that people have said about them. Will you be a healer? When you go to work, will you be a healer? Even though you know that coworker at times act as lazy. (laughs) 
even though you know that coworker, man, gonna be late. I already know it. Me gonna start late because they late, late all the time. The labels. David had a label on him, but he saved the whole nation. Could it be by us being healers that the very ones are hurting are the very ones are the solutions to some of the problems that we're dealing with? Joseph, a dream that sounds so weird and doesn't make sense. But at the same time, Joseph is the one that saves his whole family. But because of his brother's perspective, man, you're too young. You're supposed to bow down and look to us. Not realizing the potential, but Joseph, even in the midst of crying. Don't be angry. Don't be upset. I'm here to help. So my question to you today is, will you be a healer? Will you help take the labels off of friends, co-workers, family members, the labels that they're dealing with? You know, we're about to take communion in a minute. What I love about this, Jesus himself, he gave of his body and his life. We were labeled. You and I were labeled sinners. But Jesus, in the midst of that, he made a decision to be a healer. Even the very ones that were laughing at him, he made a decision. I'm going to be a healer. Man, they cracking jokes about me. Ooh, and I'm in pain. Man, I'm going to be a healer. Man, they laughing at me. Man, I'm going to be a healer. I'm going to give up my body. I'm in pain. I'm going to be a healer. He wasn't moved by the labels that they were giving him. Oh, you're supposed to be a king. Come down and save yourself. He stayed there. I'm going to be a healer. And today we're able to take communion because he gave of his body. He shed his blood because he wanted to remove the labels. And what I love about it is no matter how sticky or thick the adhesive is to a label, God can still remove it. God can still heal. It doesn't matter if it's been spoken over a friend or co-worker or even you for years. God can still remove that label. But we got to take them to the healer. We got to take ourselves to the healer. You know, while we're talking about my dad today, it was interesting at the age of 12, I finally heard his story. Because it didn't make sense to me. Why are you going and you love talking to men, especially men without fathers? He was raised without a father in the house. And so even in the middle of his pain, he made a decision. Even though he didn't know me or my brother, we were not born at the time. He was not married. He made a decision. I will never leave my sons because I know the pain of not having. And he said at times, even in school, he would be so embarrassed to go to school because he would see other fathers drop their children off. He would see other fathers in the school, but his father wasn't there. 
He wondered what would people say about him. And my dad today, and even years ago, he made a decision to be a healer. Was he hurt? Yeah. But God sent two men in his life to pour into him, to show him how to be a young man, to show him how to be a father. To show him how to be a husband. Was he hurt? Yes. Was he labeled? Yes. You don't have a father in the house. Was he labeled? Yes. You don't have a father. To come to your track events. Was he labeled? Yes. Seeing other fathers in the stands. Cheering on their child. Their children. Was he hurt? Yes. But he still ran his race. And God still sent two men to pour into his life. To love on him. To help remove that label. And now what does he do? Even at his age now. 80, right? Had to make sure he was paying attention. He's still doing that today. He's going to other men. Removing labels. Calling the greatness out of them. Calling the potential out of them. Are they hurt? Yes. But a healer is in the house through Jesus. Will you be a healer? Tomorrow when you go to work, will you be a healer? Tomorrow when you go to school, will you be a healer? Tomorrow, if you go to a grocery store and the clerk is moving real slow. I know they got self-checkout, but you know, sometimes you go through the line with the clerk and the clerk moving slow. Or you go to a restaurant and the waiter or waitress is slow. Will you add to the label or will you remove the label that people are placing on them in that moment? Will you be a healer? How to be a healer. Remember, when you are going, prepare. When you go to the store, when you go to work, when you go to the family reunion, when you go to a basketball game, and you know they about to put that child in there, they can't dribble the ball or catch a football. Man, why are you putting them in there? We showing up. Be a healer, even in that moment. Be a healer. Shift your perspective. Because that's what happened to Michael Jordan. Kicked off the team, but somebody saw the potential. It was the coach. He said, look, don't come back here until you're ready to play. It was a label on him, but the coach showed us like, hey, you got all the potential in the world. And now look. It's like, man. Labels. Will you remove the label by being a healer? You're not just going where you're going to be going. Change your perspective on how you see them. And proclaim, hey, I know you acting the way you acting right now, but that's not who you are. You call them up higher. You be the one to speak good over them. You the one that give them encouraging words. You be the one to give them a smile. Because didn't somebody give you a smile? Didn't somebody give you an encouraging word? We're only here today because of the people that have been placed in our lives to heal us. 
So let's be a healer today. So as we take communion, remember, remember, remember Jesus. He's the one that removed the labels. He prepared to come to heaven. He changed his perspective. He shifted how he looked at things. Even how people treated him and ridiculed him. And he proclaimed he is the one. Peter, he knew he would deny him. But he came back and said, man, you are the one. You are the one, Peter. So let's be a healer. Let's bow our heads. Father God, thank you for the opportunity to hear your word. And Father, we have seen that when healing comes on the scene, much can be done. Healing can take place. Even though dysfunction is on the scene, Father, your potential can still function out of them. If we call it out of them, but we have to see it first. Father, help us see those that are around us have the very potential that you have called them to be. So, Father, we thank you that as we stand and we look at them, that we're not looking through our eyes. We're looking through your eyes and we're looking at their heart, not at the outward appearance, but at their heart. And so before we take communion and the worship team comes up, I want to give you the opportunity to make a decision. For some, it may be a decision to say, Christ, I know you died for me. I know you love me. Come into my heart, Jesus. Be my Lord and Savior. Or or maybe you're saying, hey, I have been one that have hurt people and I haven't been a healer. But today I make a decision to to be a healer. I'm going to speak encouraging words. I'm going to send an encouraging text today and just let them know that they're loved. When I see them tomorrow, I'm just going to let them know, hey, you are loved. Maybe you hear today, you're saying, hey, at one point I was living for Christ, but I had stopped living for Christ. And today I want to make a decision. So be it a decision, first time giving your life to Christ, or a decision saying, hey, I will be a healer, or a decision to say, I'm rededicating my life back to God. Just simply ask you to do one thing on any of those occasions. Just simply slip up your hand, and I just want to pray for you. Anyone here this morning? Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Anybody else? Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. So let us pray. Repeat after me if you want to. Father God, thank you for loving me. Father God, thank you for removing the label off of me through your son, Jesus. That where when you see me, you don't see my mistakes. You don't see my failures, but you see Jesus. Father, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Jesus, will you come into my heart? Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Father, thank you for removing the labels from my heart now that I've been healed I can go and be a healer for you thank you for this day 
I love you and appreciate you in Jesus' name. Amen.